Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started? And what are they doing to stay there? And yes, we are in season three, and I have another great guest. His name is Kip Welch. He's the Senior Manager of Talent Acquisition for BAL. And I, man, Kip, I'm excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? Great, great. I'm happy to be here. It's nice to talk to you again. I know, right? I, I always like to reflect back to uh, when I met my guests or the first time I came into their path. And for you, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, uh, I met you when you were working at Chesapeake Energy. You were working yeah. with, um, uh, it was Autumn Lashley. And you yeah. both came down to Dallas and spoke at the relocation conference. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. That was a great time and a great time in my career. I learned so much from that company. Um, yeah, it was a that was a great time and um, a wonderful company. Yeah, I'm, hey, I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, you lead uh, uh, talent acquisition, and, and I want to talk about that. There's a lot going on uh, in talent acquisition. We're going to talk leadership and a whole lot more. The first thing I like to do, though, is I like to learn a little bit more about uh, the organization you work for, BAL. Would you mind sharing a brief highlight of who BAL is and how do you serve your customers? Of course. BAL is an immigration law firm, so we just do business immigration. So we support client groups. Um, so a customer may call and say, hey, I just hired 10 people uh, as programmers in India. Can you work with them through the visa process to get them here? Um, we have just over 1,200 employees. Um, we're based in Richardson, which is just north of Dallas, and, um, and have a dozen offices around the country. So um, our, our team staffs for our internal support um, to fill those 1,200 positions. And basically, the recruiting function, for the most part, we hire attorneys, paralegals, paralegal support, that sort of thing. Um, but our connection to our customers is what's most important. We want to make sure we have the, the tools and resources there so we're making those connections of those client companies. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm pretty energized because, uh, you know, for those that are listening, I, I'm, uh, you can also, of course, watch the, uh, the video on YouTube, but I'm looking at Kip and, and behind him, I'm reading uh, the little logo and it says best law firms, U.S. News 2022. That's pretty energizing. Yeah, we're very proud of that. And, and it, it goes even beyond that. We have been, <clears throat> we've had such great um, done such great work with things like diversity. Um, we've been recognized by Law Journal for the best company, best law firm for women. And we've also been recognized for the top law firm um, for diversity. So we've won awards um, for that. We also have our own proprietary software for immigration processing, our IT and data scientists win awards and recognition. Um, so we're, we're proud of that. We've recently, um, our, our, our story on Glassdoor has um, set us apart from our competition. And, and we've just recently engaged with Comparably. And we've, we won best company for women and best company for diversity. So we've got a lot to be, a proud, to be proud of here. And I'm um, so happy to be a part of a company that, that really gets it. And, 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 and really that's what makes this company different. Our leadership hears what the people say. So when you think about law firms, I don't know what you think about, but before I got here, I thought 
heavy cherry wood furniture and yes. suits and cigars. And that's exactly what we are not. Wow. We are um, casual every day. We wear jeans. We offer all employees unlimited uh, vacation. We have um, our offices are very unique in that, you know, on one floor, you may see Chinese dragons draped from the ceiling. Um, on my floor, it's all about Texas. And right outside my office is a neon sign for Whataburger because that's a Texas company. It's just a very unique place to work. Um, we know that the work is hard and our leadership wants to make sure that the environment we're in is comfortable. So even Tuesdays is donut days and Thursdays a bar cart comes around. I mean, it's, it's just a great place to work. Man, I love that. Okay, so I, I want to ask you, as you're talking about that, I mean, here you are leading up talent acquisition, like how the, that's got to make it easier to not just recruit talent, but also uh, for retention, right? Well, you'd think so, right? But, mm -hmm. but imagine um, if I'm recruiting or my team is recruiting for a law firm, there's okay. the, there's the okay. talent pool. Okay. We just do immigration. There's the talent pool. We just do business immigration. That even narrows it down more. Mm. So, you know, what I've learned in, in all the industries I've worked in, there's always positions that are difficult to find. And, and what we have to do, what I, what I ask my team to do is don't wait for someone to tell you to change your strategy. You change it before you're asked. If you're struggling finding people, you got to find another pond to fish out of, right? You've got to find another way to get to the people. So um, yeah, it certainly helps that the environment is great and, our, and, and most important that our leadership listens to us. Um, our, our, our senior managing partner is present. He's there every day. He um, tours the offices and everybody knows who he is. So it's just, uh, um, it helps a lot. I love that. Okay. For all of you that are listening, I, I'm telling you, get out your pen, get out your notebook. Don't wait uh, for someone to tell you to change your strategy, right? I mean, you, some, you just, I mean, there's going to be so many gold nuggets here. Uh, Kip, let's, let's, I want, I want to just, I want everybody to get to know you. I, I want you to start off. I, I want to hear the Kip Welch story. Where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into talent acquisition and leadership? Well, I grew up in Arkansas. Okay. I went to school in a small private school or private university in um, just outside of Little Rock. And okay. when I graduated, I, I jokingly say 20 minutes later, I moved to Dallas because <laughs> that's where I really wanted to be. And um, I lived here for a while, all total, probably 18 years, but I moved around. I have never been um, afraid of trying new things, right? So as you know, I have worked in several industries. Mm -hmm. I started, I started in staffing agency, actually, a very long time ago. And then um, um, the first time I crossed over into the corporate side was a singular wireless. And they came and they were gone, but worked with them and led their staffing function for North Texas. And then was called by Starbucks. And Starbucks okay. asked me to go out to California. And um, funny story, I looked at the salary converter and I said, you know what? I really would like to be a part of your company, but according to the salary calculator, you're not paying me enough. I'm really, mm -hmm. I appreciate the opportunity and hung up. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I am, I, this is more of an opportunity than I'm giving it credit. And I've made a huge mistake. So I called um, the, the leader back 
and she didn't answer. And I thought, oh, I've made her mad. And so um, two hours later, she called me back and she goes, well, I was just at a movie. And of course, I want you as much now as I did two hours ago. So um, I did go out to California and I was I led the recruiting function for Starbucks in Northern California. That was 600 stores or something like that. Was it enough money? Oh, yeah, for the opportunity. Absolutely. It's part of that company and the, the coffee I got. I mean, my gosh, it was amazing. And and they really looked at me to, in a, you know, they reorganized every few years and they asked me to go out to Seattle. Just didn't, yeah. wasn't in my book to go to Seattle. And I, I had reached out or I was uh, contacted by a headhunter for a position in Oklahoma City. And I thought, oh my gosh. Oklahoma City, what would I do there? <laughs> and that was um, with Chesapeake Energy. And um, I learned something pretty significant there. I saw Oklahoma City as a flyover state. And um, it was one of the best experiences I've ever had with the city. That city included everyone in participating in making the city better. I don't mm. know if it had something to do with the bombing years ago, but that is the most... Um, engaging city I've ever been a part of. They, you know, for the folks listening, you should Google Oklahoma City and their maps program and see how they came together as a city to change their downtown. And then they have a river that is straight and what they were mowing when I got there and the Olympic Committee called them and said, hey, you know, that's a straight river, right? And you could put water in it and we could do Olympic rowing training. And they did. And ultimately they, they put together the the, the short accord is what it was called, but they put the downtown and the, the um, river area together and it's just amazing. So I had a great time there. Chesapeake Energy, as you know, was an amazing opportunity. Lots of growth. We went from, I think I got there, we were three or 4,000 people. We went to 14,000. Um, ultimately, oil crashed and, you know, everybody um, left. So great experience. Um, very meaningful. Went from there to Chevron Phillips. And then I got a call from my leader at Chesapeake Energy, who was now at Phoenix Children's. Wow. And she said, who do you know that could come here and help build up the recruiting department? And I said, wait a minute, you know, I'm in energy. It's been kind of up and down. I, would, I know healthcare is going to last forever. Mm. I'd love to be a part of that. She invited me out, refused herself. And um, I started working at Phoenix Children, was there for several years. Great experience. Um, for personal reasons, I decided to get back to family. And that was either going to be in Dallas or in Arkansas. And, you know, for what I do, typically there's one person in the company. The opportunity that came up was at CHI St. Vincent in Little Rock. St. Vincent Hospital is part of the Common Spirit Network that's mm -hmm. CHI and Dignity, and their tagline is human kindness. Mm. And it's real. Mm. It's real. They, that was the greatest group of people I've ever worked with. We, you know, I'd go into meetings and say, you know what, we just can't find nurses. I know you need them. And, and they would say, you know what, I know you guys are trying hard and we appreciate what you do. It was just mm. such a great environment. And then I got a call from a the headhunter that I talked to as I left Chesapeake, she said, remember that person we talked to several years ago? She's asked for you again. So I talked to her, that headhunter, and she said, "What? how's the job going there? I said, I love it, but I'm kind of looking to get back to the city. And I 
we're thinking about going to Dallas. She goes, well, that's great because I just got a call. So anyway, it all worked out and I'm, I'm finally at BAL and I've been here just over a year. So love the company, love the leadership here. And um, I love the, I love the amount of change I'm able to help implement. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, one of the reasons why I did want to get you on the show was because, you know, you sit here and you talk about all of these different industries that you worked in, right? From retail, uh, you know, Starbucks, oil and gas, healthcare, and now law firm. I mean, typically you would, you know, see someone going to the same industry, but yet you're able to move around the different, what what do you think it's been that's allowed you to be able to do that? Or, uh, is there a skill set or something that allows people to do that and they just don't realize that? Yeah, I think there's more similarities than there are not. Mm. Um, I all each of those industries has a struggle with some talent, right? Mm. Yeah. So engineers for energy, healthcare, it was nurses, here it's attorneys. Um, all of them have that piece. I mean, I, I have to learn, you know about specific jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's really important, especially for your viewers to hear is making sure you're aligned with a a company or industry that recognize the value of having HR Mm. participate Mm. rather than sit in the background because I've been in those roles too. Um, And in one company, I, I was asked to come in and fix a whole, you know, part of a huge mess. And really it was just that HR wasn't part of the the deal it became part of the deal and you know employee relations and learning and benefits and recruiting all of those sections have to have the respect and the um the seat at the table with leadership because without it if if, if they don't understand the importance of having hr a part of the leadership table then it's not going to work and so um, that's the difference. So when you're looking at companies or industries, I think there's it's mostly similar, mm-hmm. um, except for you know, doesn't it's not basic, basically um, built around the industry, but you just need to make sure that the the company you're talking to understands the value of HR. I think that's the most significant piece of it. But industries, uh, you know, I have pretty much learned that. Recruiting is recruiting to me. It's a, it's just about finding people and having the, the courage to make those connections. I love that. And I, I'm glad you shared that because I think people that are listening, there's a big HR community here. And I think that's one of the things a lot of people don't know, like they can't figure out what that gap is. And, and what you just shared is a big common thread that I see too. And that's really alignment. Uh, and I had somebody come on. Um, we have a... Uh, a book club called Climb, Connect, Lead, Inspire, Mentor, and Build. And we had a uh, executive coach come on and, and she was talking about uh, something around, I think there was a question around that gap. And she's like, listen, you got to come in and let people know who you are and what you do. You got to push that information and get that alignment with your leadership. And I just love it. Oh, here, here's a question I have for you, Kip. I mean, you've been doing this a long time. You were talking to the, 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 the lady for Phoenix and said, hey, I might be interested. So obviously you knew what you love to do. When, when was that? Mo- I always talk about finding your lane, right? What was that moment that you said, you know, I really found what I love to do. It doesn't matter what, what industry, what company, what it is where I work. I just love what I did. Was there a moment for you? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> you know, recruiting's a, um, a, a field where I don't think people, as children, rise up and say, hey, I hope one day I'm going to be a recruiter, right? <laughs> so especially back when I became a recruiter. So yeah. I started with a company in, um, in, 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 in agency staffing a yeah. very long time ago. Yeah. And the first, the first experience I had was not good. It was, you know, you remember the ruse calling and, hey, I played tennis with my wife's friend from church and she left her husband's racket in the car. And I think he's an industrial engineer. His name's Jim or John, some normal name. Do you have somebody by that name there? You know, <laughs> it just didn't feel right. And right. Um, right. so I stepped out of it and um, was gone for a year or so. And then I was introduced to somebody that you may know, actually. His name is Andrew Jackson. And he runs Bravo Tech in um, Dallas, which is a technical staffing firm. And he sat me down and he said, all recruiting is not like that. Mm. He said, try it one more time. And I came in and I'm, this was a very long time ago. Yeah. And I came in and I learned uh, about recruiting. What I saw in recruiting was the look on people's faces who either really deserved a job or really um, needed a job when I could give them an offer, what it meant to them. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And then not only that, and the, from the corporate side, when I have a manager that really needs some help and I can find a person for that manager and maybe I can beat the timeline he expected or the, the caliber of candidate that he expected, whatever. But that's when I, I made a decision back then that when I consider all the aspects of HR, where I can go, recruiting is what I wanted to do. And I've stuck with that throughout my career. And, and it's maybe not the wisest thing because I could be leading the whole <laughs> HR function, but it's, those other functions are not things that I'm really drawn to, yeah. you know? So I, I would say probably, I was probably in the staffing world mm. when I realized that recruiting was it for me. I started with this company that was based in um, Cincinnati. It was an engineering firm. And I was um, staffing as a second tier staffer to Microsoft for help desk people. And I had one account that I've, I've, I've staffed for, and that company said, hey, can you payroll people? And I'm, I'm new, and I'm like, well, sure, I guess. And I've, I've got like a 100-person account, and my company freaked out. <laughs> and the owner came down. So, you know, I was lucky in the beginning to have some success with yeah. Andrew's company. And I that's like what that. really made me know this is what I want to do. I, I, I love that. I, I can tell like you're like, I can feel, and I've known you for a long time, but I can feel your passion talking about it, of helping people. And it sounds to me like Andrew Jackson was a great, I'm going to say mentor. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I do like to ask my guests on the show is like mentors, like any mentors that you've had along the way that you're like, man, this person helped me so much. And this is why. Yeah, and it would be Andrew. I've always considered him a mentor. I've I've stayed in touch with him. Okay, I'm going to say the year. Okay, it was like 1990. So 1990. That's fantastic. I know. Yeah, I've been around a long time. Hey, do you but, remember? Hey, do you remember whenever we were all talking about 1999 and the year was changed to 2000 and all the computers were going to crash and you know, uh, and now we talk about 1990. It's like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me just tell you, 
I'm, I'm going to just say this willingly. When I started, there were no computers, right? We didn't use computers. We filed resumes, which was a horrible system. We had managers, we had companies that would fax openings to us on the fax. Remember that? Um, so yeah, I, I didn't work very long until we got computers. I just yeah. have to say that. But the first few months, we did not have computers. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely love that. Hey, let, let's talk, uh, you know, 2022 here. One of the things I do like to ask my guests on the show is, you know, whenever I say, uh, when I talk about leadership, everybody thinks of leadership of being all these different things. If somebody said, hey, Kip, what's leadership to you? How, how would you respond to that? You know what? Um, I, I've learned a lot over, over my career. I, I think leadership is hiring good people and mm. getting out of the way, right? Mm. It's letting them do what they are experts at. You know, I, I think that um, leadership is recognizing that it's about the person mm. and I'm not always the company. The person comes first. Company will, will stay there. But if you want to keep good people, you got to recognize them as a person. Um, I think that um, leadership is also making sure that, you know, Anything that happens in the recruiting process that doesn't go well, even outside the recruiting process, by its nature, is recruiting's fault. Well, that background didn't come back, so we have to push that start date off. Well, recruiting didn't do it. Well, it wasn't recruiting's fault. So I think that it's important for a leader to make sure that the wins and the acknowledgments that happen get pushed up. Everybody sees how great the team is doing. Because um, otherwise, I don't think people know that. Um, they, I think sometimes it's seen as an engine that's running and it's either running fast or running slow. But there's a lot of things that happen every day that leadership needs to be aware of. And that's what I try to do through metrics and through meetings and starting off with, hey, this is what, something great that happened last week mm. before we get into where's my candidate, right? <laughs> I so, love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I love, I love how you uh, framed it up as pushing up uh, so, so we can all uh, uh, know that. Hey, well, well let me ask you this. Uh, talent acquisitions change quite a bit. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, you've been in the business for a long time. Would you just share perspective of like, what kind of changes have you seen in talent acquisition from, I mean, you mentioned earlier when you started, there wasn't a computer, you were following paperwork but but what what have you seen what, what's been some of the, the the biggest changes you've seen in talent acquisition and maybe where do you see it going yeah i don't think it would be a surprise to anyone to say the first change would be technology right yeah, so right. many tools so many things coming out they come yeah. out so fast that sometimes it's hard to absorb them um i think social media is a huge change that you know somebody has to be responsible for. I mean, mm -hmm. somebody has to manage that. Um, Glassdoor is a great, um, great example. I mean, you've got to be on top of that because if you're not, just like in a restaurant for uh, Yelp, if, if somebody's not managing that, guess who's going to be providing reviews? It's the people that aren't happy. Mm -hmm. So I always advise people when they're thinking about Glassdoor, whenever you look at any company, not just mine, if you look at any company, take out that bottom 10% because we're not going to make those people happy anyway. And then you're going to find your story. So I think, I think social media is huge. Um, 
And then when you talk about how it's changing, you also have to look at the last two years. This whole pandemic has called, caused this ripple <clears throat> that's affected a lot of things. You know, all of a sudden, everyone wants to work remote. Well, how do you keep a culture if you don't work together? You know, you've got to, you can't build a culture if you're, if everyone's sitting at home, um, which so many people are now. Um, and, you know, the remote thing is one thing. The, um, the, the culture at the office is important, but um, I think that the, the, the people leaving work right now, that great resignation, they say, and then, and then onboarding, coming back to work, that's got to be managed too. Not mm -hmm. to mention the in-between time when, you know, most companies, not all, had to find ways to keep people six feet apart, right? So mm -hmm. we, in our company, we were 50-50, so there was plenty of space for everyone. And then, you know, managing those that were in the office that, that did come down with COVID and how do you fix that? So a lot of things have changed over the last two years. One other thing is comp. So at companies, not just ours, we looked at surveys from last year okay. and to, to make sure our salaries are where they're supposed to be. Well, last year's surveys, no good because COVID came in and that changed everything. So you kind of have to adjust because of the changes that COVID um, 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 caused. So there's a lot of things that I think you have to look at, but um, a lot of things have changed, not just from over the years, but also most recently because of COVID. You know, this great resignation, I've talked to a lot of different people about that. Um, and I, I have kind of some different views on that. I, I've, I saw where Sherm's got some data on their website. You know, you see these reports from the Department of Labor, you know, 4.5 million people quit in November and December is another 4 million. And what are your thoughts around this great resignation? I, I think one of the things that I was uh, sharing with someone is I think people are like tired. They're like, they have like what I call leadership fatigue. So it's creating them to kind of reflect and think more. What, what, what are your thoughts around this great resignation and, and how long is this going to last? Well, you know, it's, it is leadership fatigue, but it's also COVID fatigue. Yeah. I've just had enough. I can't deal with it. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't know if I understand where these people are going because yeah. if, if I can get that ticket, let me know. <laughs> because, um, I don't know. I, I'll tell you, I, I don't, I don't want to side a trend, but I kind of feel like I'm seeing it let up just a little bit. I'm seeing yeah. less people leaving just since January, maybe, but, um, but yeah, it's just made it harder. I mean, the, the talent yeah. pool already was hard yeah. then add that to it. And, you know, I'm, I know there are many companies that, especially when you get down to, um, Latin industrial or, or retail, you know, how do you keep, I mean, more people are leaving than are coming in. How do you find those people? And, you know, you know, what else started happening was ghosting, you know, yeah. Hey, you're a great fit for this job. I'd like you to come in on Tuesday to interview. Okay. Tuesday comes and they don't show. And yeah. um, I don't know. I, I, I hope some of that turns around. I think it will, but um, it's not good for the candidate. It's certainly not good for the company. And I think part of it is, you know what, we're being challenged. Hey, we got to do things better, right? We got to provide more. Uh, I, I heard Jim Rome say a long time, he's talking about to the, the person, if you want more, you need to become more. And I'm sharing that with companies saying, hey, look, if you want more, if you want to attract 
we got to become more. And so I think a part of it too is it's a, a part of it's a good thing saying, you know what, if we're going to attract great people, we've got to be a great company. Uh, well, it changes our narrative too. It changes what we talk about. So as from a recruiting standpoint, you know, we kind of moved more toward, I mean, great. We, we have all employees get va- um, unlimited vacation. We wear jeans. That's all great. But really, what are we doing in the community? Mm-hmm. What are we doing, you know, for the good? Um, I think that's, you know, when you think about <clears throat> what we do, we help client companies get employees. Mm-hmm. So my example is typically, let's say we bring somebody in to, to we help them with their immigration to work at Johnson & Johnson, and they make a discovery for a cure of disease. We didn't, we didn't cure that disease, but we helped that company empower um, human achievement, right? So we helped move them to where they needed to be. So I think people are listening to that mm. and are hearing, this is bigger it's important and it matters. And that's more important now than it may have ever been. I don't know about the people listening, Kip, but I got chills when you just talked about that. And <laughs> I think I think people do, they want like, they want to, they want, they want to like, they want to work for a cause and they, they want to, they want to, you know, uh, do that. Hey, let, let me ask you a question. You mentioned something earlier and I read something on LinkedIn about how you were instrumental in one of your companies that you work for. Uh, actually somebody wrote a review, I believe is what it was on your, on your LinkedIn about how you helped build a company into a best places to work company through, through, uh, using Glassdoor. And you mentioned that earlier. I'm just curious, like for the listeners, um, what, what, what is something that you've done, uh, that's helped you position your company, uh, to be a best places to work company? I spoke about this at a conference once. It was the last day, which is where I always end up being. The last day the <laughs> um, but they, somebody walked up to me afterwards and said, you know what? This is the only piece of information I feel like I've gotten at this conference that's free, that I can do. And Glassdoor is a great tool. It is the tool of the day to review companies. Something will replace it one day probably and whatever, but it has to be managed. So a couple of things that I did, and this happened at, at Phoenix Children's Hospital, their reviews were, were, their glass door scores were not great. And so I went in and the first thing I did was I started to teach the company that Glassdoor is a recruiting tool. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Mm-hmm. Teach the company it's a tool. And then the easy thing to do is go to um, orientation classes for new hires. And in my case here, We have a town hall with new employees about 30 to 60 days into their time here. And I explained to them that this is a tool where, you know, people look at Glassdoor twice when they're considering applying and when they consider accepting an offer. And so I asked how many of you looked at Glassdoor before you came to the company and and half to two thirds of the hands go up. Not everyone. Yeah. Um, And that's my opportunity to teach them what, what it is and how it affects our company. It's a recruiting tool. You know, everyone's, most people are looking at it. So if they, if they don't see great stories and experiences on it, then they may not want to consider us. So I never ask for a good review. I just ask for you to put your thoughts on there in your first 30, 60 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that with each new hire class. And of course, other things I've done, I, I, I once or twice a year do a push company-wide to get people to provide reviews. And then 
I respond to them all, or I try to. I can't say I'm 100%, but I go in there each week and, and try to respond to each, each review. That's easy to do. It's a little time consuming, but, but the point is it just has to be managed. And that, for Phoenix Children, it lifted them to the top 100 best companies on Glassdoor, which, of course, was huge. Um, so I, I, it is the tool of the day, and I think it's a great tool. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing progress here. So um, anyone can, can, can do that if they put the time against it. I love that. Oh my gosh. I guarantee you there's going to be some people listening that, that uh, are going to get a lot from that. I, I'm curious, man, you are like, as I sit here and have this conversation with you, I'm sitting here thinking, man, Kip, he's driven. What, what drives you? What, what drives you as a leader? Oh my gosh. You know what? It has changed over my career, but now it's the people. I, mm. I, I got an email or a text, I don't remember what it was, last week that said from an, an employee from years ago that said, I was just promoted to senior VP for a $40 billion company and you gave me my first opportunity. And oh my gosh, that, that means so much to me. I have, you know, I've worked in several companies over the last 20 years or so and I've kept up with many of those people. Many of those people still reach out to me and we've stayed connected. So it's people first. It's just people um, seeing how I have the opportunity to touch somebody and, you know, maybe to teach them something or lift them some way. Um, I, my, my teams have always made me look good, right? Because mm -hmm. of how great they have been. Um, so I'm grateful for that. But I think what drives me is seeing someone that I've worked with succeed. I love that. That is so good. Oh my God. I could talk about this all day long. Hey, I want to ask you one last question. This is for someone that's listening or someone that's listening that knows someone they're out there looking for their next, right? What, what, if, what is, and it doesn't really matter what industry that they're going to, what is something you would share that might help them put themselves in a better position to get that next job, that next career? Uh, any, any perspective or, or thoughts around that? Well, you know, ideally, if you can find a, <clears throat> a company that, that, that is meaningful to you, that, that, you know, you have some connection to, yeah. You know, a great easy example is I'm a dog lover. So maybe if I go to PetSmart and talk to them, I mean, I could show and share my passion for that. But the, to put yourself in the best position, you need to understand what the job is and then be able to speak to the bullet points on the job description, right? Mm -hmm. And that means having data. You know, I was great in my last job because some things happened. Well, no, I was great in my last job because I saved 20% on a project that was a surprise to the company. I did that by doing this, right? So if you can, if you can, you know, always view an interview as a two-way street, you're interviewing the company, they're interviewing you. If it's a great interviewer, they should understand that. But um, I think really to put yourself in the best situation, you have to speak to what that job is and how you've had those experiences. And guess what? And here's my, <laughs> here's my $64,000 question. At the end of the interview, you should, I suggest people to ask, 
do you have any doubts or concerns or about my ability to do this job based on this time we've had together? I know it hasn't been much. And if you're speaking to a good interviewer who's honest, they may say, you have A experience and B experience and C, but you don't have any experience in D, which I would respond, that's why I'm here because I can't get that experience in D until somebody gives me that opportunity. If you think I'm strong in A, B, and C, then I would ask you to give me a chance. So I don't know, that's, I've always told um, candidates that that's a, a great question to ask. And um, I imagine there are lots of people around the country that have worked with me that are still using that question. <laughs> So one of the reasons why I started this podcast is not only did I want to connect with uh, great leaders, but I wanted to bring ideas to people listening. And that was definitely a $64 million idea. Yeah. Just that one question. Uh, I, I love how you frame that up. And I, I'm, I, I just, that's going to be so, so helpful uh, to people. So good. Oh my gosh. So good. Love that, man. The time just flies. Uh, I want to, I do want to ask you though, I'm curious, like, are you an early riser? Like, are you, you get up early you, or you work late? What's, what's your, what's typically day in the life? Well, I do both. <laughs> you know, I, I'm working from home, like a lot of people in our industry right now. So um, I, I like to start my day around seven, seven thirty, yep. and, you know, with coffee and I kind of ease into it. And then yep. I check out at five thirty or six, yep. probably honestly five thirty yeah. more often than not. But I walk past my computer at seven or eight and not every day, but a lot of times it's just easy for me to stop and say, Hey, is there something here I can knock out now? Mm. So yeah. I can limit those, those emails for the next day. Um, and speaking of which, I'll give you one other, one other little bit. Um, we are, we have a, a review program here. We've gotten rid of that yearly review. And we do, we, our reviews are weekly, but pretty much. <laughs> one of the things that, that my team is working on is is scheduling their day and it and and the first place we went was taking that blocking that last 30 minutes to an hour probably 30 minutes is enough of each day and planning what you need to do for tomorrow and then you know based on the book we read called the one thing yeah do that thing you don't want to do first yeah. get it out of the way so you've got the rest of your day not to worry about that thing so um, that's something that I've challenged my team with. And um, I think they're finding value in it. I love that. I read a book one time uh, about a uh, uh, leader of uh, Carnegie Steel back in the day. That's the one thing that really changed their company, uh, helped their people be more productive is that he started uh, blocking time. I don't remember if it was before they started at the end of the day, but for that purpose to say, hey, here's the five things I'm going to try to get done tomorrow. Yeah. And it really put them on track. I, oh my gosh, I love that. That is fantastic. Okay, you've uh, you've given some incredible advice today. I'm just going to ask you if someone uh, has somebody ever like given you some advice. I don't know. Maybe it was when you were younger, early in your career, uh, or, or from a friend. Any advice that you just find yourself just often sharing with others? Well, it, come, it still comes back to people. I mean, I, I know, and uh, I don't, I, I don't know if anyone told me this. I think I learned it at a conference, a, okay. a HR conference, but okay. I had an employee once who was more introverted and a little shy. And I was working on him to try to get him to where the other people were, you know, you really need to 
participate more and I was trying to change him when what needed to change was me. Ooh. And I learned that at this conference and I came back to him and I sat down with him and said, you know what? I'm wrong. I, you are absolutely perfect the way you are. And let's just make sure that we keep you, you know, participating the way you like to participate. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's people, it's just people at the end of the day, you know, we're all people, we have families, we have homes, we have other responsibilities. And we have to realize that, you know, we don't know what other people are going through. And, and, and when people do great things in companies, I like to make sure people know about it. And that's the best thing I can give to my employees, I think. So good. So good. Oh my gosh. Hey, the time flies. We're going to shift over to it's time to accelerate. I'm just going to ask a few questions as we kind of wind down the show here. First question I'm going to ask is, would you read, rather read a book or listen to a podcast? I would rather listen to a podcast because it's easier. <laughs> it is easier. Yeah. My problem is I listen to a podcast when I'm running and I want to stop, get out my phone, uh -huh. put some notes in. And notes. Start running again. Hey, um, outside of all the, 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 the work that you do, because you work a lot, you know, high performers, I know that's a comment there. They work a lot, but uh, they also have some things outside of work that energizes them. What, what is it for you, Kip? Um, I would say probably travel and mm. my time with family. My siblings, we do siblings trips and cruises, and we they were here just this weekend, and um, we are a very close family, and we um, really enjoy spending time together. I love that. I love that. Okay, here's the last question I got for you. One of my favorite questions Kip, 10 years older, is knocking at your front door, and you're going to go answer that front door. What's he going to say to you? Probably those last five to 10 years were worth it from the view at the beach. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's hope. I don't, I don't know how to say that. In, in 10 years, I'm hoping that I will be sitting on a beach somewhere. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love everything you're sharing, your perspective. You're definitely driving in the leadership lane. For Let me ask you a, a question. Somebody, I know there's somebody that heard something today and they're like, man, that really helped me. I, I want to stay connected with Kip. What, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I, I'd probably say LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, there's two Kip Welches, if you can believe that. The other one's a, a movie producer in Hollywood or somewhere. It's not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hey, and be sure when you when you connect with people on LinkedIn, be sure and put, hey, I heard you on the podcast. Share something that you heard. I mean, it makes the connection so much more uh, valuable when you do that. And uh, I just want to say thanks again for coming on the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, your leadership and everything you shared today. And, and certainly I appreciate your friendship. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Can't wait to share this. Man. I'll talk to you later. Okay.